1: Welcome to SEO101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers. Open your minds. Grab your mouse
0: and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO101 on webmasterradio.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. Hello, my friend.
2: How are you doing?
0: Good. Very good. Busy, busy, busy week, which is great. Nice.
2: Oh, yeah. Me that, too.
0: I love when things ramp up before the holidays and stuff. We need to, you know, It's nice to, to know the coffers are full and you've been busy and things are good.
2: Are you asking for cool things for Christmas? Because you know you got to start making that money so your wife can buy you the cool things, right?
0: Well, there's that, too.
2: Yeah. (laughs) What's the cool gadget coming out this year? Is there anything? I've I've been thinking of, like, I think for some reason the the 15-year-old kid in me really wants a drone. I don't know why. I don't have any use for it, but I really want one. And I don't know why. A drone. Hmm. Yeah.
0: What about the hover drone? That, that guy was standing on. Did you see that? Oh yeah, I
2: saw that. That was pretty interesting. <laughs>
0: Crazy. <laughs> oh my god. If anyone hasn't seen that, that's just too cool. Just look it up. You can stand on it and fly around. Like, what yeah,
2: it's, <laughs> it's like the hoverboard, but in drone. I just I wasn't sure how high he'd go with it. Cause it seems like it's kind of like the the hovercraft model where it's pushing against the surface of whatever it's over, like whether it's ground or water to that. Just wonder how high you can take that thing.
0: Probably why you picked water. It's a good, strong surface tension. It's it's guaranteed to be flat. You know? And if you fall,
2: you're gonna you know, not hurt yourself as much.
0: Yeah, or break it. Anyway, he yeah. did go into the water with it, but it's like I guess assume that's what it was meant to do. Anyways, pretty cool. Can't really find much use for it other than yes, I want it.
2: I did see a video that had just like a little remote control drone that you can fly around that was shaped like the Millennium Falcon. So, like, that's my goal, yeah. I think, is to get the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> drone.
0: I saw that. Fly it around. Oh, jeez!
2: Just in time to stand in line for six hours before this next Star Wars movie comes out in December.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, you know what? Let's turn off the nerd a little and go into a different kind of nerd. Uh, it's impossible
2: to turn off the nerd. You should know that by yeah, now. Yeah,
0: no, that's true. But I, I would rather not. There's too many listeners
2: uh <laughs> hey our listeners are proud nerds that's true, if, that's true if there was an audience in front of us right now they'd be cheering out loud
0: sorry to those that are not now uh <laughs> you i know this was a, a big topic for you this week because your guys have had to deal with this ajax and crawling <laughs> guidelines so fill us in here because this is really your your baby
2: so if you've been following technical stuff in web development for any time now you know the mid 2000s we came out with ajax which is a programming scripting language that really allows you to dynamically update pages and pull content much different in the in the ways we had been doing in the past the problem with ajax is normally urls don't change when you update the content so it's really hard to get ajax content indexed well in 2009 Google put out this huge scheme of how do you get your Ajax content indexed. And it uses uses things called hash bangs, which are basically a, a hash symbol followed by an exclamation point that'll tell Google to do certain things. There's something called an escaped fragment that it appends to the URLs to, to know where to go to get this AJAX. It's it's a very complicated scheme, and it's it's not simple to implement. It's not, not SEO
0: 101.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not SEO1 by any means at all, right? Well, Just this week, just within the last couple of days, Google came out and said, remember how we told you to do Ajax, this whole (laughs) scheme that we published in 2009? Forget about that. We're not going to do that anymore. We don't follow it anymore at all. Basically, what they're saying is their ability to crawl JavaScript has gotten so good over the past few years that they don't need that anymore. They don't need you to jump through a bunch of hoops to be able to get to your AJAX content and understand where it is and index it. So That's pretty freaking awesome. That is awesome if you haven't spent years building out this framework (laughs) of stuff. Well, you didn't have a choice,
0: right? You you didn't have a choice. You're right.
2: But they did say, very specifically, if you have all this in place, next time you update your site, Get rid of it, right? So I'm sure, and I know on, on my tech team, there's a lot of frustrated people right now. I think this all came about partially because just in the past couple of weeks there's been a lot of noise in the industry about wix.com. Wix.com is one of those places where you can go and spend less than 10 bucks a month and get this template driven website where you can drag and drop and design and put content it's, it's one of those website mass produced website things and it's actually a pretty good one but it's very very ajax heavy. A lot of the code if not all the code behind it is ajax based. Well, a couple of weeks ago they have hundreds of thousands of sites Many, many, many of them, if not a majority of them, started dropping out of the search indexes for no apparent reason. Nobody made changes. They just started going away. And people were talking about what's going on here, what's going on. Google finally came out and said – actually, it was just a couple days before they announced the depreciation of the AJAX guidelines. They said, hey, we're having problems crawling this stuff and and getting it indexed properly. It's not on your end. It's on our end, basically. I'm sure they didn't say it that way, but that's what it turned out to be. Um, We're working on fixing it. Well, their fix apparently is, is basically, uh, just don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's their fix. So they, they, if you do have a Wix site or one of your clients has a Wix site, they are saying that they are going to aggressively recrawl those sites to get them back in the indexes once they've sorted out this issue.
0: Yeah, well, and, and deprecation. I mean, it, it's something that has to be done when things gets get out of date, right? Um, and, and it makes perfect sense that they're they're doing this. And Google's finally indexing. The fact that they can finally index AJAX is, is killer. However, it, it blows my mind just how much of a learning curve there's going to be on any kind of optimization on AJAX.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not like you just publish it, and they they're, they're okay, good. You still have to follow AJAX standards and use the hashbang. You don't have to worry about escape fragments or any of that kind of stuff. Again, not SEO 101, technically. But you still have to publish AJAX correctly, and then when you do that, you have to be able to go in and optimize. It's going to be interesting because of the fact that URLs don't change. You can change content a lot um, using AJAX. I personally would not want to use AJAX unless it's an absolute necessity because I'm sure that that you know, we've already we've been talking recently about how the fact if the content is not there on the initial page yeah. load, it yeah. doesn't count. Well, if AJAX is going to load all this different content based on what you click on the page, is any that content even going to count? Because they're already saying, you know, if it's not there on the initial load, it doesn't count. Or it doesn't count as much. They have to be treating
0: that differently with AJAX. There's just no way around it.
2: But how are they going to index things differently when you have the same URL? That's why it's it's going to be an interesting (laughs) mind-boggling. It's going to be an interesting next few months, or if not longer, to see how this all unfolds from an optimization standpoint. But this is just the uh, basically is throwing out the first pitch here in the beginning of the game.
0: Yeah, and, and just so everyone knows, what we were speaking of there about AJAX is, yeah, like you said, it's only one URL. What that means is it's a lot easier to break down a site into URLs, right? Let's just put it that way. When if AJAX, if it's just one URL, as you scroll down the page or as you click on a button, the page just reloads or on the fly, the same URL. It's all happening at the same time. It's, it's very slick, very nice to use. So from a usability perspective, it has a lot of potential, I think.
2: Yeah. So so look at it this way. It well, let's let's take a, a website development three oh one topic and try to break it down into an SEO one oh one topic, right? So when you're building a website, there's two there's there's lots of variations, but there's two basic kind of web pages, right? There's a dynamic web page where the page loads and there's triggers inside that page somewhere that go out to a database and pull things in, whether it's content or images or scripts, whatever it happens to be, it pulls stuff into the page. That's a dynamic page. Then there's what we call flat file pages. Those things can also be dynamic. But what happens is before they're rendered in the browser, they just, all the code is written and it's done and it's it served as what we call a flat file the actual file that's sent to your browser doesn't have any dynamic elements to it, okay? So it's kind of the difference between server side and browser side. On the dynamic stuff, a lot of the activity happens in your browser when you call the page. On the flat file side, all that same activity happens on the server before the file is sent to your browser. That is the best way, in my mind, to optimize a page for search. There's not going to be any questions about where the content is, where it came from, where it sits. It's there in that flat file. The dynamic pages get much more complicated depending on which of the different types of technologies are being used, how it's being done, what's being pulled in, where. It's way too many variables to make it simple. It's like the keep it simple, stupid method. Those flat files are much simpler. And usually each one of those is going to have its own URL. Yeah,
0: and, and many of you won't have to worry about this. It's a very interesting news, and it's something we want to make sure everyone um, who is perhaps on the more advanced side of things would, would hear about and, and understand. But uh, yeah, if you've got a, a basic site, a basic small business site, you really don't have to be concerned with this, I would say, in, in
2: 99% of the cases. Yeah, unless you have a Wix site. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Then, well, yeah. You're, you're you you supposed- you don't have to worry about how to fix it. You just have to know that it's happening and, and get on your guy at Wix to make sure it gets fixed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and really... I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of using the third-party sites for any kind of website, but
2: I'm not either. But there's a lot of small businesses out there. It's a perfect solution for them because they don't have the time or resources to put into it. The Ten bucks a month is something they can budget for pretty easily. It makes sense in some cases. It but does. Have, but but let's have,
0: look at the downsides.
2: Yeah, you have to do the limitations.
0: Yeah, you got limitations. You also have like because you have to fit the norm. If if you want to do anything outside of the norm, they're going to have. Very strict standards that say no, you can't do that because that's not a feature where you're allowed, because we do allow it for you, it's allowed for everyone. Yes. Never mind the fact that you only have a certain amount of control too.
2: If you're an an SEO or even just an SEO hobbyist or something that you tinker with on your own sites, you're gonna be very limited in what you can have an impact on working with those third party sites. Because you think about it, those third party sites are built, you know, with programs. And if you say, Well, I want to change this on my site. If they say okay, they have to change it on everybody's site because it's all running off the same back-end system.
0: Yeah. So anyway, there you go. And if, certainly if you have a Wix site, you're, you're seeing the downside at this point. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah. but beware. Google's aware they're going to try to, to crawl those sites quicker than they normally would to get them back in the indexes. So hopefully you'll be back before too long.
0: Great. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some news on disavow files. SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
1: Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com.
0: Take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on
1: WebmasterRadio.fm.
0: Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, when you're switching to HTTPS, what do you do with your disavow file?
2: You're in asking this, me or telling me? I'm asking. <laughs> you move it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to move it with the new site, I mean, with, with the new Google Webmaster Tools, or right. in this case, uh, Google Search Console. <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and I put this in there because it makes a ton of sense, and it seems like it's a no-brainer, but it's something that could easily be overlooked.
0: Oh, so, my God. It, easily. Yeah,
2: easily. So I just wanted to make sure we mentioned it because I thought, wow, this is something that I probably have forgot at one time or another, and I'm sure other people would, too. So when you change that one character in your URL, you basically, you know, when you go from HTTP to HTTPS, you're creating a whole new site in the eyes of Google. Make sure that that disavow file moves with it. Damn those Uh, Google eyes. Here's a question, and I don't know the answer to this one. Maybe maybe you've had experience with this, Ross. You know how in Webmaster Tools Search Console, uh, (laughs) they they have the uh, changing URL tool now, where if you're switching from one URL to another URL, makes it simpler, let's say, mm-hmm. um, in, in there. Do you have to use that tool when you're switching from HTTP to HTTPS, or is that just at the domain level?
0: Hmm. I haven't run into that. I'm afraid I of. haven't either. Make I have to ask
2: question. that question. Ask yeah.
0: He'll be happy to answer. I've been very impressed with Gary Ellis. He's been very responsive. I don't know how many he gets versus how many he responds to, I mean, <laughs> but he seems to be very responsive and actually answers questions versus just saying, I don't know. <laughs> or he refers to someone else, or he brings in John Mueller. In fact, John Mueller posted a survey this week about the uh, about Google Search Console and about what they, they were wondering about uh, a particular feature and what we thought of it. And Gary Alles retweeted that and offered everyone to, to, to put their word in. So it was very cool. I mean, that's the sort of thing you won't see unless you're, you're following these guys.
2: You, you kind of have to wonder if there's, even if it's not official, if there's some kind of competition between these guys to like fill the Matt Cuts void, right? I know from a from a Google perspective, they want a bunch of people to do it, but you got to think that those guys themselves are like, "I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the one."
0: <laughs> I don't know. I got to think that they don't. They don't want to. They're already so busy. These guys are overwhelmed. It's probably just nice being able to split it up.
2: Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard from Myla Oye in a while either. It's true. She's, she used to do a lot of this stuff and. Maybe she's on a big, big project or something.
0: Only thing I've heard from Matt <clears throat> was I was we were talking about uh, the movie Martian. We, I read the book, and he'd read the book, and he said it was as good as the book. And that was you know a, a little discussion we had. But that's you know he's very quiet. He's just there lurking. Oh yeah. Anyway, it is a good book, by the way.
2: <laughs> I, uh, so I know we're going off on the, on the nerd tangent again. So my understanding is that they really toned down a lot of the language and the stuff from the book for the movie. Is that true? Because I haven't read the book.
0: I haven't seen the movie yet. I've, oh, okay. Yeah, is like, it really?
2: Does, is there a lot of language in the book?
0: Oh yeah. He's well. He he says the F word a lot, but, yeah, but not li- not like a sailor or anything like that. It's it's always apt. It's hilarious when he does it. Very it, funny book. Oh my god, it was okay. howling.
2: All right, he he doesn't do it that much in the movie.
0: No, oh, there you go. Okay, looking forward to seeing it, but you'll uh, like it. Yeah, I hope so. Right. <laughs> high high expectations from the book. It was fun to read the book beforehand. I, uh, I, I
2: personally story. think it's one of the best save Matt Damon movies that we've seen. You know, there's the been prior arrival. Save. save Matt Damon. There's Interstellar was save Matt Damon. <laughs> so, now this one,
0: his ass Boy, he was a bugger or not.
2: Yeah, there's been a whole, there's been a whole slew of same, save Matt Damon movies.
0: <laughs> so funny. I hadn't thought of that. That's so true. Okay. Nerding out here. <laughs> okay. So one of the latest discussions that have come up, you know, Twitter has been really driving a lot. It's been great. Eh? Been,
2: it really has.
0: It's been pretty cool. Duplicate content issues, not directly related to Panda. This is what John Mueller said. He says they're two separate and independent things duplicate content and Panda. All right. And and I agree with you. You say here that there's just too many.
2: Yeah. So here's the actual question that was asked. It says, at John Mew, there is no duplicate content penalty, but could a site with crawl issues, DT duplicate content, be negatively affected by Panda? So to me, this is much more specific than just duplicate content as a whole being a Panda issue, right? This is about if you have a technical issue, that might be creating duplicate content. Say you have multiple paths of navigation to the same page where you've got parameters that are mixed up or something, or you have something causing duplicate content, like a a print button on your page is causing duplicate versions of all your pages because of the way it's configured, right? That to me is kind of specifically about what this question is. And everybody that's been writing about it is saying, duplicate content's not related to Panda. I don't get that. If you have two pages that have the same exact content, one of them is going to be a low-quality page, you know, that's, going to be con- that's going to be considered a low-quality page. They've, they've told us this, right? So I think all the hubbub coming out of this two-tweet conversation is really kind of overblown at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the other fun part about Twitter. The yeah. tweets are so short. <laughs> Everyone's having a field day because really, what is our industry but bored if they can't at least speculate a lot? And on hype things. Well,
2: that, well, that's part of our job is to speculate on how this, all this stuff works, right? Well,
0: and hype and, it, and hype it up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what little shred of info we get.
2: But when you when you get a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven word response from John Mueller and the whole industry explodes, I think we've gone a little far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I don't know. Does it really matter? Hey, that's the thing about the duplicate. You've got to deal with them anyway
2: yeah uh, good point. you know why are you worried? <laughs> fix it yeah,
0: just and I think that was part of the article that she ended up writing too. Uh, this is on the SEM post so I anyway, I guess for our listeners, what do you do with duplicate content? okay first of all, you don't want it and if you do have it, you can use a canonical tag which tells Google that okay, this is a page I've just reached, but it's actually a duplicate of this page, which I'd rather you index. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the raw form, that's sort of what a canonical tag will do. It'll tell them to use that other page as the primary source of that information. You can also actually remove it. <laughs> use a 301 redirect, 301 redirect to the proper page. A lot of this stuff occurs. One of the, the biggest offenders I find, I get a kind of a kick out of because it still happens so much, are from my opinion anything is small businesses, they have WordPress sites and they posts and they don't use any kind of a more tag. They're constantly posting the entire, oh, yeah. entire piece of content. Now, the canonical tag is built, I think it's built in by default into WordPress, or is that just with the uh, plugin? I'm not, I've am forgotten now.
2: I think Yoast WordPress SEO has it. I think some of the other SEO plugins have it as well. It's not native okay. to WordPress yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it surprised. gets there eventually.
0: Why would it eventually. be a big deal? But anyway, yeah, in any case, if you don't have any kind of a concatenation to your content, that's sort of like it. This is just a snippet, and then click here to go to the full piece of, of content, you're going to end up with a lot of duplicate content. And there's a more tag, a read more kind of tag that's built into WordPress that you can use. You just find it maybe a paragraph or two into the article or post, just put this in, and bang, you're, you're good to go. You're yes. not going to see the full post on your blog homepage. If you see the full post, you know it's, it's not working right.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, out of these two tweets that caused this conversation to happen, nobody's even talking about the thing that I think is most important to our one one type of audience is the first part of that first question was a statement. It says, there is no duplicate content yeah. penalty. <laughs> I still can't tell you how many times I hear people talking about a duplicate content penalty. There is no such thing. I like to describe it as a filter, right? If you have 10 pages that are all considered duplicate, nine of those 10 pages are going to get filtered out of the index. Hmm. It's not a penalty. It's just we only want one of those in there and we're going to pick one. And I don't like to say it's random, but it's kind of random on which one it picks. There's definitely things we know that if this page has this, it's not going to be one of the ones picked. But, you know, sometimes you don't know why they pick the one they pick out of the 10 to to be in the index. And then that said, I've seen many times where it changes out of those 10. One week it'll be one. A month later it's a different one, right? So... Duplicate content is something you have to be aware of, but please, please don't think of it as a penalty. Think of it as a filter, and to get out of the filter, you basically just need one version of that content so there's nothing else to filter, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's always the extreme example where you're a spammer and you've literally scraped a site. Well, then that's a different kind of penalty. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. That, that's a penalty, but that's not penalty because of duplicate content. That's a penalty because you're a spammer. <laughs> and,
0: and, well, yeah. To put it not too lightly, you're stupid.
2: <laughs> and, a- and, I, and I guess to take that a little bit further to understand why it matters, let's say you've got four versions of a page on your site because of technical issues, right? And you're like, well, they're all on my site. I don't care which one gets gets put in the index. That's not necessarily true because you know you have one of them that's in your primary navigation it probably has a lot of the link equity coming from your, from your site and from external sites. If that's not the one that gets picked to be put in the index, the one that is in the index is not going to rank because it doesn't have any of that, that equity tied to it, right? The one that has the equity is not in the index so it's not going to rank. You want the one with all the equity in the index so it has a chance to rank better. You want to get rid of the other ones.
0: Okay, well, uh, let's. Uh, we've got a couple more th- things left in our show here, including Google devaluing spammy queries, something we're following up on from our last show, and a Google Plus question. So we'll be right back, and more info to come. SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
1: Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orangehilldevelopment.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over,
0: and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the director of SEO and social media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of step Web Marketing, Inc. So the post from the SEM post, boy, Jen's doing great work here. Yes, she is. Really doing great. Um, says, Why Google devaluing spammy queries is great for website owners. Now, I wish I had read this. I haven't read it
2: yet. Uh, <laughs> so, so basically, we talked about this last week. That there's that the, the new hacked algorithm is actually instead of identifying a site as possibly having it being hacked in the index, where you used to have that little the little flag, it's like this site might be hacked. They're just not showing those. Instead, yeah. what what we've discovered since then. Again, this came out of PubCon, I believe, and it might have been your friend Gary Isles. I have to double check. But basically, what they're saying now is that really only applies to spammy queries. So if if someone's putting it, so they've hacked your site. They put a bunch of pages about Viagra, you know. And someone's searching for Viagra, it's not your site's not going to show up with a little tag that says, you know, this site might have been hacked. It's just not going to show up. If someone searches for your brand your site may still now show up with the little tag that says this site may have been hacked.
0: Yeah, which I think is good. It's Mm -hmm. unfortunate for your brand a bit, but it's better than not showing up at all in some regards. I mean, last week, I think I might have been on the other side of the fence there, but I I, I do believe that it's a good warning. I know a lot of clients don't even realize their site's been hacked until they see that, sad but true. Oh, yeah. Um, And they get notified by people. And I think it it gets taken care of faster that way.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good, it's a good clarification of what we talked about last week, and I think it makes more sense now than it did last week. Much more sense.
0: Yeah, I, I obviously did not understand it last week. Now that I hear that, it makes way more sense. Okay, so let's jump to our question of the week. Uh, <laughs> usually we have a couple, but let's see here. This is from Colin Berg. He says I've been using Raving Tools for a while now to track keywords and ranking, but I haven't been that impressed. I've heard you say that you use SEM Rush on the show. I was wondering what other people use for keyword tracking or audits. All right. Well, do you want to do a rant on keyword tracking first?
2: Um, not, Not as much as I want to make sure we understand. And someone mentioned this in the comments on our community, which was great, that the key, the, the tools you use for keyword tracking and metrics tracking are not necessarily the same ones you would use for audits, right? So there might be some crossover, but for me particularly, I usually have this is how I track my metrics and this is how I do my audits. They're usually not the same tool set. Now I will say my audit tool set is probably 20 plus trolls strong. And my tracking is usually analytics and then possibly something similar to Raven Tools. Because like you say, here's the rant. You can't get away from tracking keywords because clients demand it. However, you want to educate the clients that that is just a metric. It's not a goal. It's not what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to achieve more business for them. So, yeah, it's one of the the metrics you might want to track to show results. But it's not the the end-all, be-all goal you're trying to achieve. Right. So just just a little rant today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> our, our favorite one in-house right now is Authority Labs. I was actually just talking to Scott this morning, our occasional co-host, Scott Vanak, and, and he's, he was very impressed with it. And, and he does a the lion's share of the work on there when reporting to clients and he's just found it way easier to work with. Our past tools we've tried are, of course, Raven Tools. Before they had the switch up, they dropped their rank reporting system and switched it now to using Google Analytics. I'm sure it's a very good system, but mm-hmm. uh, we, we appreciate so, the I,
2: I, I haven't been in Raven Tools in a while. Are they still tying in directly to the Webmaster Tools API and pulling all that impression data and that kind of stuff? Because that kind of, I was, I was interested in that when they first started doing that, because they said they were storing that, so you can get a longer history of that information than you could in Webmaster Tools. Do you know if they're still doing that?
0: I recently read it and I believe that's true, but I okay. could be wrong. I mean, it's been a little while, but it sounds like a, a good system. I mean, and they've got a, a lot of good heads in their shoulders and, and I think that it's a good program. I've heard that it's really good as an average tool for doing a lot of things. Whereas, you know, I find SEM Rush is great for determining when I'm, before a sales call, when I'm doing some deep dive competitor analysis to see what a site is ranking for at this very moment or most recently, actually I should say at this very moment, most recently because I do find that it's off a bit. But it's pretty damn good. They've got a huge system. You can really tell what kind of ranking ups and downs clients have. And I can almost always spot when they've they've had an issue with a, a penalty of any kind when I'm on a phone with a, a, a prospect by looking at it. Go, oh, you had a problem back then. And they go, yeah, how did you know? And there you go. SEMrush working for me.
2: Yeah, and I can do that with Majestic SEO. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. So we've got yeah. our own tools, but yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, Majestic SEO is it is it is it doing a good job of tracking keywords?
2: No, it doesn't track keywords. I'm looking at the backlink data, and I can say, oh, look, you probably had a you probably had an issue right here because you see, you know, massive anomalies in their backlinks. All right. All um, right. We we use both. I mean, I use SEMrush as well. Like I said, my let's look at that way there's there's a set of tools that you're using when you are preparing to talk to a client to kind of gather that information that you can use to say hey look this is what this client needs help with then there's a set of tools you use to track your progress and the work that you're doing long term to show that the work you're doing is having value and then there's that separate set of tools you use to really dig in and do the analysis to understand how to build your strategy. And some of that stuff definitely crosses over. But I think you should really, as an SEO, know, I'm in this stage, I need to use these tools. I'm now in this stage, these are probably the tools that are going to be most useful to me, and so on. I think it's important to understand when you use what tool for what task.
0: Mm-hmm. I agreed. Well, hope that uh, helps, Colin. And where we can't uh, be a little more accurate i'm sure there's we could do a whole show on tools we've actually done one before it's been a long yeah. time but we have done yeah.
2: one yeah we should probably do another one
0: yeah i'm not sure how much it would have changed but it'll there'll be some small deviations at least um yeah, yeah i we've spent a i look at it sometimes there's, I feel a little pale at how much money we spend per month on tools but it's uh, important
2: well i'll tell you for the audit because you specifically mentioned the audit the number one tool that you have to have to do an audit is Webmaster Tools, Search Console.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, Screaming Frog.
2: Screaming Frog is right there too. Absolutely yeah, second, if not. I'd say second right. because the the number one thing you have to look for, the first thing you should always look for in an audit is is that site penalized? Do they have unnatural link warnings? Is there some kind of communication in Google Webmaster Tools telling you that? The engine, Google in particular, has a problem with this site because that'll change your entire strategy.
0: There you go. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. On behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them to our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO101 on Google Plus. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 11am Pacific, 2pm Eastern every Wednesday on webmasterradio.fm.
2: Thanks for listening everybody.